What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and I like to dive into the brains of humans and animals and see that, hey, we're not so different after all. I mean, you, you guys lay eggs too, right? Today on the show, pardon my turkey. Welcome to Domestication Station as we talk about the weird and wild world of artificial selection. Giant chickens, turkeys, swole cows, oh my. Discover these animals and more as we answer the age-old question, if Arnold Schwarzenegger was a chicken, what would he look like? So, the ancestors of the chicken can be traced back to one bird, the jungle fowl. The red jungle fowl, and maybe some hybridization of the gray jungle fowl, is the single ancestor of all domesticated chickens. They're native to Southeast Asia, India, and Sri Lanka. They were first domesticated in India over 5,000 years ago. The jungle fowl, at least the males, look somewhat similar to the image of the rooster you may be picturing, though they're a bit smaller. The females are also leaner than their domesticated counterparts. They only fly short distances, and the males do an interesting behavior called tidbitting, where they entice females with a bit of food that they pick up and drop repeatedly. Sounds like a bad dinner date, am I right, am I right? The jungle fowl is likely the single common ancestor of all modern chickens. For a time, there was a theory that there was a species called Gallus giganteus, a hypothetical extinct chicken that some believed existed based on bone fragments. It's a huge bird that loomed over the jungle fowl, and some believe that this interbreeding created the medium-sized domesticated chicken. However, this is likely not the case. Those bone fragments were probably another chicken known as the Malayan fowl, a very large breed of domesticated chicken. 
These boys are a tall drink of water standing over 36 inches high with legs for days. The point of this story is that artificial selection, the act of domestication, can be so transformative it's easy to mistake a certain domesticated animal for an entirely different species. Today we'll be looking at the completely insane amount of morphological diversity among domesticated animals and the horrific, beautiful, messed up things humans have done playing God with animals. Joining me today is my good friend, podcaster host a gamefully unemployed and best bad movie ever owner of a demon cat and all-around cool guy david bell hi so good to have you here thanks for having me on i'm very excited to be on yeah i love your cat by the way she's a great cat she is objectively better than me uh well well as a presence she's i'm a better human than her she commands more in terms of just fear yeah. Respect that comes from fear, perhaps. Yeah. She's real feral. Yeah. Um, so I first want to say that I got a lot of the info for this episode from there's this beautiful book called Unnatural Selection. It's by Katrina Van Grau. She's a science author and an incredible illustrator and overall just way more talented than I will ever hope to be. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I've never heard of this. She can draw a chicken, though. She can draw a chicken like I've never seen anyone draw a chicken before. Yeah, that skill has limited applications, though. Draw me like one of your fi- French chickens, <laughs> Kat- K- Katrina. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful book. I think it's a book that anyone can read through, even if you don't have a deeper knowledge of evolutionary biology. It's just very well written and beautifully illustrated. I highly recommend it. Yeah, and how can you not like chickens? How can you not? It has so many. It's not just chickens. It's also sheep and pigs and dogs and mm. cows and also all the domesticated animals that humans have concocted, which are often uniformly horrifying. It's. I think it's like the ultimate revenge is we were living in caves and like terrified for our lives. And we're like, we're not just going to kill these animals. We're going to, we're going to just slowly change what they are fundamentally. We will bend their bones to our will. Yeah. We will create a dystopian universe for these animals. We will take that wolf and crush its skull into (laughs) the shape of a chihuahua. We'll make it unrecognizable. (laughs) Yeah. So, so we are indeed Sort of monsters. The, we're monsters. We're yeah. godlike monsters. So, mm-hmm. first, I want to start out with something simple or seemingly simple the broiler chicken. So, the broiler chicken is probably, if you eat chicken, it's probably what you had for lunch. It's bred specifically for meat production. Now, I, I should start out with a caveat. Uh, Dave, you are a vegetarian. This is true. And I've brought you here today to torture you. That's okay. <laughs> I'm not. As we were saying before this, I, I've been a vegetarian since fifth grade, since I was, I don't know, eight. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what age you are in fifth grade. Uh, and I never, I just did it because I thought it was gross. I'm not against, like, I'm not very preachy about it. I don't get bothered by it. I would probably eat a very um, exotic animal for the hell of it. Like, if you if you gave me uh, Baby Yoda, I would eat Baby Yoda. Oh, I see, yeah. You know, because it's Who like... Who wouldn't, though? Look exactly, at that. It's He's true. such a little snack. He looks delicious. He looks delicious. Like a so, little jelly belly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just don't like meat. I mean, I mean, there's definitely animal rights aspect in that, but, uh, you know. I think it's great. Uh, so, this is going to be an interesting podcast. I-, I think it'll be interesting to get your perspective of someone who isn't 
addicted to the flesh of living animals. Mm -hmm. The broiler chicken is a modern breed that was actually concocted in the 1950s, and they have been domesticated to accumulate weight quickly so that at around four to seven weeks of age, they're already ready for slaughter. They have white feathers, which means the reason they are white is so that after being plucked, their corpse looks more delicious. Because with brown feathers, you can actually see little pin feathers. And I guess people are disgusted knowing that the meat they're eating was once a bird. So with the white feathers, you can't really see it. So it's like, oh, good, just a clean chicken carcass that I'm sure just (laughs) dropped out of the sky. (laughs) We should all aspire to have more delicious looking corpses. That is, I yeah, you know, I mean, it's... It's one of my big goals is mm-hmm. to die gorgeous yeah. <laughs> and, and delicious looking. Due to the way the chickens were selectively bred to accumulate mass as quickly as possible, their muscular skeletal structure precludes natural mating. We have, oh. we have screwed these guys up, <laughs> these poor little fellows. So their, their large breasts make it difficult for mounting to occur. Now, when I say breasts, I don't mean human-like breasts. It's, it's the chest area where you have the, the muscles. And it's the breasts that you eat. You know, not you, yeah. Dave, but other people. Right. Those of us who have this the sanguine desire for flesh. So to make more chickens, here's the thing. What do you do when you have chickens that are functionally celibate because their weird round chicken bodies are too awkward to mate? Well, the farming industry uses artificial insemination on a select few breeding stock of these chickens. So those are the only chickens that will be allowed to live past four to seven weeks because they're slaughtered before they even reach sexual maturity. And the way they collect well, okay, this is, sorry, this gets a little blue, but I, it's science, so I have to do it. So they give males a back massage until, you know, they pop a little chicken chicken boner. A back massage? Yes. Oh, okay. So they rub. So that's what does it for chickens. That's what does it for male chickens. And so they pitch a little chicken tent, and then they, well, yada, 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 they collect the semen. <laughs> that's a job. That's a job someone has. That's a that is a career, yeah, I, I would say. I, I almost feel like the second part, while dirtier, is better than the first part of arousing, yes. sensually it's, arousing the chicken. It's less emotionally fraught. Yes. Because if I'm giving a chicken a sensual back massage, I've made a connection with this chicken. Exactly. What if the chicken looks me in the eye? <laughs> What if it's a love connection? Oh, no. What if you feel connected on a spiritual level to right. this chicken? I mean, you've shared a moment, and you'll never be able to unshare that moment. Right. Whether or not you're willing to admit it, you have shared a moment yes, with that chicken. Yes, And the chicken may become meat at some point, so what do you do then? You can't, you can't eat a chicken after you've shared a back rub with the chicken. I don't know. You just drink away the nightmares or something. <laughs> So this dark, dark seed is then planted into the female's reproductive tract, and more of these cute little abominations are born. So this paradox of non-mating animals being propagated through selection is only really seen in nature in the context of eusocial insects, so like bees and ants, and also naked mole rats, which is the only eusocial mammal. So eusocial means there's a queen, and you have a colony of workers who all work to aid the queen, and they don't 
individually reproduce. Are you telling me there's a queen mole rat? Yes, naked mole rat. That's amazing. And I think we've talked about it on the show before, but they are grotesquely large, just like a queen bee, where (laughs) queen bee is huge and pumps out a bunch of baby. The queen naked mole rat is huge and pumps out a bunch of babies. And it's the only like mammal is the mole rat that does that? Yeah, the only mammal that has a colony structure like a bee is the naked mole rat. Should we be worried about that? That's weird. They live beneath us in vast colonies. So, yeah. So, no, I don't see what mm. the problem is. Yeah. <laughs> so, in these chunky broiler chickens, the genes that regulate muscle growth are just switched off, which allows them to continue developing muscle way past what is normal or good <laughs> for the chicken. So, their skeleton remains the same, meaning they suffer a lack of mobility due to their skeletons being unable to properly function under their massive musculature. Musculature. <laughs> Uh, So even when they're raised outdoors, this is pretty heartbreaking. The chickens aren't able to show high levels of activities due to physical weakness because Mm. they're just they're too swole. They're too muscled and they don't (laughs) like walking. Just like me. (laughs) Too swole. That's what it is. Too much muscles. That's why I don't go and walk. It's a common problem that I have is too many muscles. I'm, I'm like, I would get up off right. the couch and actually do something, but too many muscles. This gun show's heavy. This guy, I know. Yeah. It's, uh, you've got two tickets to the gun show, but you'll have to come to me. Yeah. <laughs> So keep in mind as we look at other chicken species that even the standard generic meat chicken is uh, insanely constructed. It doesn't make any sense, and it is only made for human consumption, which is, you know, I'm not... A, I'm not a vegetarian. I try to do my best to eat ethically in terms of like not eating too much meat. But sure. regardless of your stance on vegetarianism, I think we can all agree that what we've done to chickens is... It's an abomination. It is an abomination, yeah. That's, uh, this is where personally I became more... Because as I got older, I got a little more like... Because when you're a vegetarian, other vegetarians are like, oh, let's, let's talk about it, which is the most boring thing in the world um but the animal rights aspect i've met vegans who will eat hunted meat yeah and that makes so much more sense where it's it's not the eat like i do think whenever i hear people being like i'm i'm trying to not eat meat it's like why that's you're clearly i think designed to eat meat we seem to be uh don't fight that but it's the way we eat meat is yeah so if we all, if everyone cut back on meat or looked for more humane farm raising practices yeah. when purchasing meat. I think that would be great. Or you know what? Go to Home Depot, get a hammer and walk <laughs> out into the woods and just get some meat. Yeah. <laughs> just whatever you find. I'm it's going yours. for meat. <laughs> Looking out for some meat. Don't care what kind of meat it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's talk about the Dong Tao, which is a Vietnamese chicken breed that was created as a result of a mutation that made thick old feet. Aww. Big old chunky feet. Now this is this prepping your, uh, starts the laptop. image portion of the podcast for you, oh, Dave. Oh no! Why yeah. would they do that? Well, because feet are delicious. <laughs> this is <laughs> again. It feels like it's revenge on speed. We're revenge like, on chicken. Big silly feet. So what's interesting about these chickens is 
actually, compared to the much more normal looking broiler chicken, they have a higher quality of life because they don't actually seem to be too impeded by their thick old hobbit feet. So they just stomp around in these big old <laughs> leg warmers made out of flesh. We made them more powerful. <laughs> no, don't do that. We have made their feet giant and, and thick like Hulk hands. Oh, no. So yeah, they look like they're wearing leg warmers made out of flesh. As always, I'm going to include lots of links in the show notes so you can look upon this Boschian nightmare. They live up to about a year before being slaughtered. So again, actually more fortunate than the standard broiler chicken. The they are their feet are so big as a result of a mutation that causes their feet to grow uncontrollably. <laughs> and they're also known as the dragon chicken probably because they're going to kill us once they catch on to what we've done. 100%. You know, they'll, they'll look in the mirror and be like, "What?" Am I? (laughs) (laughs) They've been probably like stomping on mice this whole Mm -hmm. time. Got a a thirst for blood. Yeah. We're next. They're splattered with blood. What am I? Am I a monster? (laughs) (laughs) So these guys are actually worth around $2,000 per chicken. They are so prized for those thick, juicy feet. Uh, And the feet are, that's what we're after, is those feet to eat. Sure. Eat the feet. They are considered a culinary delicacy. Oh, yeah, I have more pictures. I forgot. Here you go. Oh, my God. They look glorious. They're just huge. It's like boots. Boots. Like, uh, remember Ugg boots? Yeah. Like Ugg boots made out of pink flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I'm I'm sure a thing you you can make exist with your hammer. (laughs) Sure. Uh, I go out and collect meat (laughs) and make shoe. Are these feet any good? Have you... Gone out and no, no. seek them. I haven't eaten these feet. They must be somewhere. Welcome here in to LA. my new podcast called "Did I Eat These Feet?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I'm. I maybe I would try it just for the sake of it, but I don't think I could afford two thousand dollar right. feet. The worst thing that could happen is you try it and you love it. Right, exactly. Because then I would have to, that would become my whole life is raising and and eating the feet from these chickens. Mm -hmm. But then I would feel bad about eating their feet. So I'd probably do some kind of horror show thing where I amputate their feet and then just give them robot legs. No, but then robot legs. Oh, yeah. Why don't we just do robot legs for these chickens? That will work out. I mean, it's cruel and horrific, but at the same time, robot leg chickens i think i think they'd be fine with it if they could we gave them the ability to like jump really high right and like, yeah mecca mecca chickens yeah and then we just release them into nature <laughs> and like every now and then you're gonna you're gonna encounter a robot chicken but it's fine right and it'll be like listen i know one day you my children will come back to kill me for the crimes i've mm-hmm. done against you but this is this is the way you must learn the rage mm-hmm. so that you may grow strong Speaking of which, let's talk about the Shamo and Koshamo chicken, which is a chicken with disturbingly upright posture. Now, I got to show you a uh, video of of this little guy. Oh, I don't know if I I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, just just what, let it sink in that you you're seeing a chicken with perfectly upright uh, posture walking around. Yeah, for people listening, it just looks like a what a, a person in a chicken costume would look yes. like. Yes, yes. It's uncomfortable is the word I would use to describe these chickens. It's and here's, kind of cute. Here's a picture of a big one. Oh. So. They they look curious. They look like they're, it's like your cat seeing, a, hearing yeah. a noise and like getting on its hind legs. 
Any uh, any Charlie Chaplin fans out there? <laughs> there was remember Gold Rush. There was a scene in Gold Rush where there was a man in a giant chicken costume walking around, and it was because in the it requires a little background on the film Gold Rush. But they were starving in a cabin in the woods in the snow, and so they started hallucinating each other as food. And so oh. he just saw him as this big chicken walking around. It looks like that, but obviously not human sized. It- yeah, I mean, any Looney Tunes cartoon as yes. well, if they're like on an island or you something. You start hallucinating yeah. like your big sausage. Yeah, so the Koshamo is a former fighting cock breed from Japan. Over time, breeders selected for upright posture as an ornamental breed, meaning these are generally not used for consumption. It's <laughs> just imagine a chicken. Now, imagine that chicken just sort of ironed out, straightened out. <laughs> mm, yeah. A chicken with a lot of confidence. So you said ornamental. They're not. Are they still for fighting? Or are they just pets? I think some shamo chickens are still used for fighting, unfortunately. But I think some of the the like the co shamo and these these really upright ones. I think they're just used as pets and for shows and things like that. I would a hundred percent get one of those. I know they're really some of these. I do now want pet chickens right. from these, but I also find it a little horrifying that we've done this. It's the it's a grotesque thing, right? The way I think of it is like. If presented with one. Yes, yes. I would be like, sure. If one wound up on my doorstep in a little little baby bindle, and right. like with a little note saying, please take care of me, I would adopt it and make it my son. Yeah, exactly. It's sure. the same as my stance with eating exotic things. If someone yes. was like, I cooked a baby, baby Yoda for you, I'd be like, well, I don't condone what you did to get I don't want to waste that. the baby Yoda. Yeah, but I don't, it's here now. Right, exactly. And it's that, I would so have, if yes. only to just terrify my guests of the thing walking around. So it's similar to the English powder, which is not a chicken, but a type of pigeon. And this is another bird that has been bred to have a very weird upright posture, very long legs. And also it has an inflatable neck pouch. So this is, the inflatable crop is something that most pigeons have. In fact, I think all pigeon, male pigeons have that. And it's uh, used in mating display and, and to kind of show off your, your confidence level as a pigeon. But over time, breeders have selected for the biggest inflatable crops, which is the neck pouch and the most upright <laughs> posture, resulting in this little guy. I'm going to show you a video. Oh, I love them. Look at those balloon faces. Oh, my God. They look so proud. They're very proud. So they, they imagine, imagine a, a beard, but it's a balloon of feathers and then very long legs and fluffy, feathery feet. Yes. I would put a little tuxedo on one. And I would tell people that it was a person who was cursed to become a chicken. What would it, its name would be like? Lord Byron Von Some, Schnaus. Yeah. Yeah. Lord Von Ren by Schnaus. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's solid. Lord Byron Von Schnaus. Give it a little monocle. Duke of Worcestershire. <laughs> <laughs> so they've been selected to have the most excitable temperament. So they're always popping that. That big old neck pouch. Oh, my goodness. So, wait, they're angry, too? They're excited, not angry. Okay. Well, they could be angry. I don't know what pigeon excitement is necessarily right. like. They're either constantly aroused or constantly angry mm-hmm. or maybe a mm-hmm. mixture. Probably a mixture. Probably a mixture. Where's my sensual back rub? <laughs> 
So now onto maybe the cutest of the chickens are the silky chickens. These are the lap dogs of the chicken world. They have been bred to have a sweet temperament and to be soft and fluffy. They look made up. They look like a Jim Henson puppet. Oh my goodness. They're, they look exactly like a Jim Henson they're puppet. They're really fluffy. They're down, they have these really fluffy downy feathers. I'm going to show you a video because it, it, it really has to sink in that they're real animals once you see them moving around. Oh my God, being a, a chicken. It, from other positions, it looks like you would be looking at like a dog. Yes, it looks. They look fluffy, like a, yeah. like a little dog. Here's a bunch of them with with cool little little poof balls on their heads. Oh man, they look like um. They used to sell these puppets where it was like there's the X over. I it had with one the of two. those puppets. Yeah. I I wish I yeah. Uh, it's like a big fluffy puppet. Like and, those in labyrinth, those yeah. weird goblins that dance. Well, it that. looks. The reason it looks so similar to Jim Henson puppets is that they. I think Jim Henson puppets use feathers for some of their fluffier ones. The amount of animals that were slaughtered to make those Muppets. (laughs) I don't think they were slaughtered. History's greatest (laughs) monster, Jim Henson. Oh, no. (laughs) So it was likely bred from the Chinese silk chicken in the... So in the 1800s, Dutch breeders claimed that the silky was a chicken crossbred with a rabbit because people in the 1800s were dumb as rocks. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. <laughs> they are kept as ornamental pet birds or do egg sitting for other breeds as they are very, quote, brooding birds, which doesn't mean they're off on, in the corner going like, oh, nobody no. understands me. It means that they, they like to sit on eggs and they're very good egg sitters. So the the way their feathers work is that the feathers have no barbicels, which are microscopic hooks on feathers that allow them to retain their feather shape. Have you ever, like, screwed up a feather you know what I mean? Where you take a feather that's perfectly from and you go the wrong, way. The wrong yeah. way. Yeah. And then it's screwed up forever. That's because you've broken apart those barbicels, which are actually hooking onto it and giving it that structure. Like you break it with your hands. Yes, like, exactly. S- like it's like sticky. Exactly. So these do not have barbicels. So all their feathers are essentially down and soft and fluffy. And they look like the most wonderful thing to touch. And there's other chickens that actually have structural abnormalities with their feathers, such as curly feathers, like the frizzle chicken. You got to see this. This is this chicken is (laughs) this is me as a chicken. If I became a chicken, it's got really curly hair. It's got wonderful locks of curly hair. Right, and that actually results from a lopsided structure of the feather, where like one side of the feather is structured out of sync with the other side, so then it, it curls up. It's really funny. So on to perhaps my favorite of the chickens uh, is the Arnold Schwarzenegger chicken, also known as the Malaysian Sarama. It is a tiny, angry-looking chicken with a huge, puffed-out chest, an upright posture like the Shamo, a huge chest like the broiler chicken, and it's one of the smallest breeds in the world. And I can't even do it justice verbally. Here's a picture of it. <laughs> oh, no. It looks like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yes. It looks like a little chicken that's trying to act tough. Yes. That has like a, a big temper. Because what ha- it's it's also bred so that its wings are straight down. So it looks like it's at attention. Yes. Like a soldier, a, a tiny soldier chicken. In fact, in Malaysia, they're also called a brave warrior or archangel chickens due to their brave stance. <laughs> <laughs> they are the chicks of this chicken are about the size of a human thumb. They are teeny tiny. Oh, 
Wow. And the adults are about, I would say, hmm, about the size of a larger grapefruit, maybe. A football? A grapefruit. Okay. Sorry. I mean, I don't know what kind of football you're playing with. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't. I don't sports. <laughs> you you don't sports. I don't. Yeah, they they're also uh they they don't weigh that much. They're about I think they're under like 500 grams or why, something. Why would we do this? Why would because adorable? Because okay. it's like a this is you keep talking about wanting to eat a baby Yoda. Here it is. Right. It's are these getting eaten? No, no, I don't oh, okay. think so. I mean, you could. <laughs> I mean, it would be like maybe like a thimbleful of meat, right? A tiny. Although we do eat quail, and and those really we, only have. Yeah, a, we eat just about anything, right? Yeah, well, that is true. Yeah, we will find if there is a way to eat something, we will find it. So the next one is I like to call it the goth chicken. Oh, it is the I am Simani chicken, which is jet black all the way through. So it is. Possibly the most deeply pigmented animal on the planet because even its bones and internal organs are jet black. So it originates from Indonesia. It's that goth? It's that goth. Wow. It is deep. This is not. This is like typo negative goth. Yeah, this right. isn't. This isn't. Oh, I dyed one strand of my hair red and now I'm goth. No, yeah. this is. This is like. I I only wear nine inch nail shirts, right? And my shoes lace up to my butthole. Going to goth mindless self indulgence concerts. Yes, yeah. yes. This is this is I have permanently tattooed dark makeup and shaved off my eyebrows. Goth. Mm-hmm. These are the most these are the most goth that you can achieve. If your bones are black. That's the most goth. That's you can the be. most goth. Yeah, they are from Indonesia. They have a mutation known as dermofibromelanosis, which is so. Normally, chickens and other animals have genes in skin, feather, hair, or fur follicular cells that control color. So the genes in these cells basically send out a request for melanoblasts, which are cells that develop into melanocytes, which is. These are all just fancy words to say that these are cells that control pigment. Okay. And so if you have the gene in the cell, it's like, hey, pigment, come over here. Give me some rad color on these locks. Like that. that's that's how it works. But usually your bones don't have that gene. Your bones aren't like, hey, red hair gene, come over here and make my bones red. Right. In the I am Samani chickens, cells in the bones and other and organs and feathers erroneously have the genes that ask for melanocytes to come over, meaning they have black bones, which is a called like a mismigration of the the melanin. It's the coolest thing. I think an animal can do. To have black bones? I think that's the coolest thing. It, it apparently makes the meat taste different. I don't know why we're eating the the black for, bone for chicken. The, for the bones. Well, but the problem is these are clearly demon chickens. And we've, yeah. we're basically, if you eat one of these chickens, I think that you've will, willingly signed on to Satan's army as one of his... Oh, yeah, this is the ticket. Yeah, this is the ticket. Satan was like, I'm putting these demon birds out (laughs) and see who eats them. Right. Now that I think about it, it's kind of a bummer to have awesome bones because there's only one way to get to those bones Mm. and it's not a pleasant way. Yeah, there's only one way to get to them bones. (laughs) That's a that's a good that's a good catchphrase. I like that. That's true. (laughs) Only one way to get to them bones. So (laughs) 
It's a total restructuring of the genome to create these goth chickens, uh, possibly being traced back to a single bird. Now, this is an interesting thing in evolution because this is known as a macro mutation where it's like one huge mutation. So usually traits are developed over long periods of time, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of years just to get a slightly different trait or just to get a new trait. Whereas there are macro mutations where just boom, suddenly your bones are black. Whoops. Wow. Uh, and so the idea of macro mutations as being a driving force of evolution is mostly debunked. It was called mutationism, which argued big steps rather than small gradual changes had to be responsible for evolutionary progress. But this theory was mostly debunked by Darwin's natural selection and Mendelian genetics that showed mostly when you have a huge, like a big mutation, it's typically bad for the animal and better to have these smaller mutations that don't hurt you, that kind of work towards maybe a more advantageous trait. Right. Yeah, if your bones went black overnight, it'd be very <laughs> worrying. The hopeful monster is the name for the model of an animal who has a macro mutation that would become successful. And it, it was a model in 1940 that is de ne definitely never caught on and was widely ridiculed. But the hopeful monster model actually works well with artificial selection because humans are weirdos. And we love to see crazy, insane animals that have black bones and huge, chunky feet. We are the most like perverse of the species <laughs> on this planet. We no, do. Yeah, yeah. We, we do love an underdog. And by underdog... Like a dog with an underbite that we've bred. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen viral images that suggest the eggs of the I am Samani goth chicken are black, but in my research, it appears the eggs are light pink. The black eggs are likely a hoax. Images online of these jet black eggs may be Owakudani black eggs, regular chicken eggs that turn black after being boiled in Owakudani Valley, Hakone, Japan's hot springs, where the sulfur in the water causes a chemical reaction turning the eggshells black. In birds, egg pigment comes from the reproductive tract. The squishy yolk and white of the egg is covered in calcium carbonate from special shell glands as they make their way down the bird uterus. Then they're covered in a layer of protective protein. At this point, patterns and pigments may be added from special glands that spray paint the eggs. It's like a factory conveyor belt made out of chicken uterus. This process takes only about 24 hours. Those specialized pigment blasting glands can be so incredibly precise that they are timed to fire at certain times to produce specific coloration and patterning, often camouflage, for each egg. When we return, get out your hands and construction paper, it's turkey time! Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Gobble, gobble, everybody. It's turkey time. You know what a turkey is. It's roughly the shape of your hand, plus some construction paper beaks and feet. The turkey, unlike the chicken, is indigenous to the Americas. Native Americans have been domesticating turkeys for over 1,500 years. The ancestors of the modern-day turkey, Meligris gallopevo, the wild turkey, have been linked to bone fragments along with archaeological finds of fences and cages and corn in central Mexico dated back to 800 BC, indicating that already the turkey was being held captive. Nowadays, the turkey that's on your table is a far gobble from the colorful blue, red, pink, and purple wild turkeys. So let's talk a bit about this noble creature, who were once nominated by Benjamin Franklin to be the national bird, as Franklin considered them to be a bird of courage. God, I wish we had gone that route. Can you imagine how much cooler America would have been? He's not wrong. They are a bird of courage. They, they really are. They are a Spunky. better... Yeah, they're a better analogy for America where they run in places and <laughs> attack people and freak everybody out. It really... I mean, but I think if we had gone with the turkey, we would have been a more humble nation because we would have been looking into a mirror, right? Yes. A turkey-shaped mirror. Oh, yeah. And, like, there'd be little turkeys on, like, the top of flagpoles and, like... <laughs> It'd yeah, be like everything, we'd have busts of turkeys. Right. Like presidential candidates would pose next to a turkey. Next to a turkey. Oh God, it would have been so much better. He it, was so right. We probably wouldn't be eating them. I don't think once a year we'd be eating eagles instead. <laughs> and eagles are they're like in certain places they're pests. Like, mm. like if you go to Alaska, you can just yeah, you can eat an eagle. I think. And <laughs> 
I, I cannot fact check that right now, but okay. I'm not sure if we can, if you can just eat eagles. If it's true, I don't know I'm if it's just, legal. I was just throwing that out. <laughs> if it's true, Alaska, that should be their state motto because that's we the only eat reason. Eagles. Yeah, it's like you can eat eagles here. <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think it's legal to eat eagles. Mm-hmm. Probably it's not. Illegal eagle. Illegal eagle. So domesticated turkeys have white feathers, unlike the natural hand turkey variety. And it's the same reason as chickens. So their corpses look more pretty. And so you can't see their pin feathers if they missed a few when they uh, defeathered them. So they're called the turkey because Europeans stupidly misidentified the American turkey as a guinea fowl from Turkey, the country. But the Latin name for turkeys is Gallopavo or chicken peacock. Oh, <laughs> I like that better. Chicken peacock. Yeah, hmm. it is a better name, isn't it? Makes makes it feel a little weirder to eat them. Like you don't eat peacock. Well, we don't, although I think... I, it, I bet you could. You can. And Elizabethans used to... We talked about this on another podcast where I had Smart Mouth's host on, Catherine Spears. We talked about how they used to uh, eat peacocks and swans, and then they would stuff the swan and peacock skin back with the meat so you would be eating the meat out of a stuffed peacock yeah i lived near peacocks growing up and they are loud angry animals and if there's ever a bird that deserved to get eaten we had a peacock take my family hostage when i was a little kid it just landed in our yard stayed there we fed it bread and it would scream at us yep it was great i miss that peacock (laughs) so the Wild turkeys, bits and bobs, are all male sexual displays. So that big old fantail, all the neck business going on. So the fleshy head bumps are called caruncles. The fleshy protuberance that comes off the beak is called the snood. That throat dangle is called the wattle. And the chest feathers are called the beard. So the snood, which is that dangle thing that comes off the beak, is like a beak wiener because... When the male is displaying to females, the snood becomes erect. So the beard is like the pubes? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, if we're doing the beak wiener. The, yeah. I mean, it, it is. It's, it like straightens out. It, it, yeah. Wow. The tur- that is horrifying. So to entice the female, the turkey will puff out its chest feathers and tail feathers. It struts and does a ritualistic sexy sneezing with an erect snood in bright red engorged caruncles. Then the turkey will also do body vibrations. It's all pretty hot. Hot. Yeah. So I want to answer a question, which is, are turkeys stupid? Are they? I don't know. (laughs) Probably. I think that they are considered stupid. And the popular conception of turkey stupidity comes from the awkward way they walk, probably the the erect snoods that they do, and the stupid things that they do, like staring into the rain with their mouths open until they allegedly drown. So I looked into this, and specifically that behavior of staring into the rain is not actually stupidity or a death wish. And there's not really evidence that they drown in any significant numbers. It's caused by an inherited condition called tetanic torticollar spasms, which is a result of our domestication of them. So it's a neurological tick where the turkeys throw their heads onto their backs and point their beaks upward into the sky. I like to think that they're just asking God why. Yeah. 
why have you done this? Right. And if they're drowning, they're just like, end it now. <laughs> yeah. It's not, they're not mesmerized. It's not some dude at Burning Man. No. Yeah. They're not like, whoa, when the rain comes towards you, it's like little dots, man. Right. It's like we're in space. It's like stars are falling on my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so turkey advocates argue that turkeys are highly social and not as stupid as they seem. And they indeed have a lot of like social gobbles. They, uh, but they're they're actually kind of aggressive towards each other sometimes. So they're not. It's all not all sunshine and roses with with the turkeys. But they are they are highly social, and they yeah. I, I think that they're probably not as smart as say crows or cor- you know these other smarter bird species. Oh, yeah. But they're probably not complete. Imbeciles. Did you see on the on the social medias there was a video of a turkey following a mail truck and it was apparently doing it for like a month and it would follow it along and then whenever he'd stop and give him mail it would like bother the mailman. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, so they're smart enough to, to be jerks. The turkey revolution mm-hmm. cometh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I saw a, a video of a bunch of turkeys just circling a cat. Like, and I think the cat may have been dead. It was the dead cat. The I've dead seen cat, that. and they were just—they formed this circle around the cat. And the explanation I saw of it was that the turkeys were curious, but no, that's the n- devil. It's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's some sinister stuff. Or that's oh, like, or they're up to it. <laughs> turkey time! Resurrect this cat for the turkey revolution. <laughs> Uh, so related to the turkey, I always think of the dodo because they're another considered stupid bird, which is not actually related to the turkey. But I kind of want to give the dodo a bit of a reprieve from their perception as the dumbest animal. The turkey is more closely related to chickens than to the dodo. Uh, the dodos had brains that were about the size of a pigeon's. Um, which we know doesn't necessarily mean anything about intelligent, like crow brains are pretty small and they're actually very smart. So brain size doesn't necessarily indicate anything, but it is an indication that they may not have been, there's no evidence to suggest they were much dumber than a pigeon. So they were considered to be stupid due to how easy it was to round them up onto the ships of Dutch sailors on their native island After the human invasion, the dodo quickly went extinct in the late 1600s. And a lot of people attribute this to humans hunting them and the dodos just being too stupid to not prevent their own mass demise. Mm -hmm. But I don't think this is necessarily true. So the reason they were easy to capture wasn't because they were stupid, but due to the fact that as island birds, they were never exposed to humans or even comparably large predators that they'd need a defense strategy against. Right. They're just friendly. Right. They're They're just like, hi there, new friend. Hey there, neighbor. Yeah. (laughs) Would you like to come over and play some Yahtzee? (laughs) Do you play Yahtzee? And we're like, yes, get into this box here and we'll have a great time. Come into our ships, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so consider the quokka, which is that adorable little mammal that's isolated to small islands off the coast of Australia. We've talked about it on the show. If you don't know what a quokka is, Google that right now. They are adorable. Here, let me show you. Please. There's definitely certain like species that if we decided to suddenly eat them, it would be very easy. It'd be very, it'd be incredibly easy to just 
because we just haven't. And yeah. they didn't, they're going to be like, I didn't know they do that. <laughs> so here's the quokka. Oh, I've seen these. Yeah, they're adorable they little mammals. Delicious. They, <laughs> they have no fear of humans because they live on an island and they their only predators are snakes. So they, have, they just don't associate humans with right. being a threat. So they'll take selfies with you. Now, we are actually kind of a threat to them when we leave our litter or try to touch them or feed them. And like in general. In general, yeah. But if we just it, – it's so frustrating because – People, you can take selfies with them as long as you don't touch them and you don't feed them. This could be a perfectly fine relationship, but I feel like we're going to mess it up by like shoving Snickers bars in them because they look so cute. We have to touch things. We do have to touch. Something we like feel that. the need I'm, to touch. Need to scruff its little belly. Like there's no way I can't. Like, <laughs> they can its bite though. They they'll they'll only allow so much interaction before they bite you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's so, fair. I feel like the dodos may have been similar to the quokkas. So, like, if they had been alive today, maybe we would have taken a bunch of selfies with them. Right. And their stupid, happy little faces. Yeah, if we knew better. Right. But if you're, like, showing up on an island, you're like, I'm really hungry. And these birds are walking up like, oh, how's it going? And it's like, oh, Hi there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, so... Far from being the plump and juicy victim of dinner time, dodos probably didn't die out because of overhunting. In fact, their meat was not necessarily all that great anyways. The um, really juicy looking dodo image comes from captive overfed dodos, whereas wild dodos probably died out due to the animal hitchhikers that invaded along with the sailors, so namely rats. Uh, Rats and other invasive species likely ate dodo eggs and outcompeted them for food until they were driven to extinction, which happens very easily on these islands. It happens to birds on islands when cats are introduced because the birds just, they don't have a natural predator as efficient as a cat, and then the cat comes in and just cleans that island up. Cats were an apocalypse for certain animals because we, yeah, they would just, what, get on our boats and we'd be like, I guess we have cats now, which is how anybody ever gets a cat. And then we just bring them somewhere and be like, all right, get out. And they just wreak havoc. Yep. Just, I mean, maybe that's why the turkeys celebrated the cat's death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The great destroyer (laughs) has been killed. It has been felled. Now the greater turkey demon can take its place. It does make sense. I think about it that like if if you see a bunch of anything circling a dead thing in a celebratory way, I'd be like, oh, that's the murderer. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah. It's it's I think the turkeys were probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Most likely. Hashtag those turkeys were right. Turkeys were right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So why do we eat turkey? Okay, smart says, I know a bunch of you just said, because they taste good, but hold on. There are all sorts of animals we eat who could be candidates for Thanksgiving dinner. Fickleness in human culture can shape the fates of domesticated animals, particularly the turkey. Originally, eating turkey on holidays was likely practical. The turkey was a large bird, enough to feed a whole family, and slaughtering a turkey was more economical than a whole cow or a chicken who was valued for its eggs and more succulent meat. Ham and brined pork was a staple, but wasn't considered special enough for a feast. 
1893, President Lincoln declared Thanksgiving a national holiday, and turkeys already had the honor of being the centerpiece of the feast in American culture. Lucky them. In the 20th century, turkeys had become associated with the working class, so the wealthy turned to game and beef to feel fancy. And thanks to Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol and Scrooge's generous gift of a Christmas turkey, the turkey became a popular Christmas staple. It's a Christmas miracle, but not for the turkey. The turkeys died. When we return, we'll talk about man's best fried friends. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over six million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position: warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to two four two four two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi on a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to ten devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com/in-car-wi-fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet, and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously, it's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice too, because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource, and paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com/papertarian. So, did we originally domesticate dogs to snack on them? A new study proposes that wolves were originally domesticated, at least in part, for their meat. The study suggests that there was a single domestication event, and that all domesticated dogs are descendants of these wolf ancestors from about 14,000 years ago. At these archaeological sites, ancient dog bones with marks that suggested they were butchered for their meat were found. But fortunately for our canine friends, eventually we discovered that they were worth more to us seated next to the table than on it. I wonder. Sometimes when I look at my dog, I just I go like, "I'm going to eat you." Right. I'm going to eat you. It. 
Is that like an instinct, some kind of deep instinct? I think so. Yeah. I think we know dogs are delicious. Um, <laughs> no, it makes sense. The moment we discover new animal, I think the first thing we do is a taste test. Mm-hmm. And then it's, yeah. Are they worth more as meat or are they worth more as right. a pet? I think about this with um, like if the apocalypse happens, if you have a dog, there's that loyalty where you're like, like if there's no food around, you're like, I'm not going to eat my dog. But eventually you'd be like, man, that dog looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, and Donner was- Party famously in their journal wrote after they ate their dogs, like right. it was a good dog. <laughs> Yeah, it was a doing a little joke dog. there yeah. as they fa- stared down cannibalism and death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I think cats tend to be like I think as pets they have more of the power because I think if I was faced with a situation where I was starving and I had my cat, I'd be like, it, it's hardly a meal. <laughs> like, what's the point? I might as well just keep it around. My my dog is fun size, though. She would be a little snack. A little snack, yeah. yeah. But not, yeah, again, like with a little dog, it's like, I don't know if this is worth it's it. It's interesting because I do think the small, smaller the dog, the more the power dynamic shifts as well. Like, the dog knows, like, you're not going to eat me. I'm not right. even worth it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why they're so pushy. Like, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so it is interesting because when you compare dogs to pigs, you you do find that pigs are similarly intelligent to dogs, at least domesticated pigs. Pigs are on the way. They're being promoted to pet soon, (laughs) I believe. I don't know. I I don't think we're going to drop our our pig eating habit. That's true. I mean, I try not to eat it just because it creeps me out thinking about because like I just associated it with eating a dog. Yeah. Aren't they also like, I know like... They're pretty close to humans, like in terms of like their mass and like the, the their flat. Like it's not that they're like genetically close to right. us or anything. But when I think of pig flesh, I think like, yeah, that's probably what a human I have tastes heard like. that. I've heard that human meat would taste like pig, but I can't confirm that having mm, sure, not ever sure. eaten a human. Clearly, mm. I wouldn't know. I mean, I mean, come on. Come right. On. No. You know, not even out of curiosity, not even a reasonable amount of just curiosity of tasting it once. Come on. Right. Anyways, (laughs) so domesticated pigs are quite smart and are comparably intelligent to dogs. In fact, a recent study showed that pigs are capable of understanding how mirrors work, Mm. which I'm not even sure dogs have been able to do. No, they are mystified uh, (laughs) by that one. So they may not know whether the image in the mirror is of themselves, but they can triangulate their location based on mirrors and use the mirrors to find food. So a lot of pig intelligence is food motivated which honestly same same yeah oh a hundred percent my iq jumps up like a hundred points when food is involved Mm -hmm. so pigs also know how to deceive other pigs so if one pig is trying to follow another pig to find where the food is the pig being followed will try to throw off the other pig from its trail like try to lose it yeah Mm -hmm. exactly so it's incredible because first you have the first layer of the pigs knowing to try to stake out the other pigs to try to find their food stash and then the the layer of like hopping in the taxi trying to lose the other pig (laughs) you know driving into the wrong neighborhood so the pig doesn't know where you live yeah wearing a pig disguise a little pig mustache like well, I'm not a pig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just not fluffy. That's the that's the problem. If they became fluffy, we'd probably uh, 
we would probably stop eating them. Well, boy, so. do I have news for you. Oh, because no. Because there is a pig called the Mangalitsa, which is a pig with a woolly coat like a sheep. And of course, not hairy like uh, boars, which are no, a no, scourge. not coarse hair, soft, fluffy yeah. wool like a sheep. Oh wow! Why did that happen? That's well, amazing. We made it happen. We it, shaped them. Did we just put the chia pet seeds on it? <laughs> well, according to like old Europeans, we would have crossbred it with a sheep because God, they were so dumb. Like, oh, it's got wool. Must have been crossbred with a sheep. Right. Anyways, I mean, honestly, I I don't know much about animals. If I was just like left in a vacuum and saw that thing, I'd be like, I don't know. I guess it had sex with a sheep. Well, you know, I can actually. Okay, so a, a pig and a sheep, I could conceive as like an an a 1600s European of believing that. But uh, but the earlier example of the chicken and the rabbit, I would have at yeah. least thought rabbits can't do eggs. So I'm not sure. It's also like there's no way you'd get those two to mate. They would no. just try to kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. So these are a Hungarian breed of domesticated pig. They've gone out of fashion since they provide really lean meat and they have been replaced by more modern domesticated pigs on the meat production side of things. But they are still reared as a specialty pig. Fun, furry friend of ours to pretend we don't eat. <laughs> mm. Some populations, good news, they have gone feral in the Serbian wetlands and they are breeding with wild boars, meaning that we could have some wild, woolly wild boars in the future. Oh, no. <laughs> no. They, uh, look like, they look like wigs, uh, wigs. They look like pigs with. Pigs with wigs. With wigs. With those fancy, like, wigs. Victorian yes. wigs. Oh, yeah, like the judge wigs. Like, yeah. Uh, or the Victorian wigs or the French, those French powdered wigs. Like, yes. I do, I do say. Mm. They're like pigs in a Monty Python sketch. <laughs> Let them eat cake. <laughs> so speaking of wild boars, feral hawk. <laughs> I know you, this is uh, Dave's uh, pet issue. It's I've done a lot of research, Rather, okay? Of research. I know all about well, wild boars. Have you heard of the feral hogs that found and destroyed a cache of cocaine worth $22,000? That just happened, yeah. That just happened. It They're was... learning about our, co- our cocaine, which is, <laughs> as humanity, that's our secret weapon. Yes. Cocaine was always our, that the sort of like when the penny drops, at least we have cocaine as oh, a yeah. trump card. Yeah. Yeah. If the aliens come and we really got, we really got to focus and like fight them, we're like, all right, yeah. everybody do cocaine. The aliens do some kind of tabulation of like their, their fight want is at only 20%. Right. And then we do cocaine. It's like, oh no, it is <laughs> off the charts. Abort, abort. <laughs> so many new screenplays. Yes. These feral hogs found cocaine that were was hidden in the Italian woods and a wiretap on drug dealers caught them complaining about feral hogs destroying their product. Wonderful. <laughs> I just love that. They're listening to this wiretap like, man, those, those feral hogs, 22,000 just down the drain. Well, down the hog, really. Down the hog. I wonder if the, hogs must have had an interesting God, time. the hogs are just like, I just want to clean everything. Yeah. Everything got to clean, got to clean. Man, this forest is dirty. Wow. I've, I've never noticed how many pine needles are around. Want to count them? Want to count them? <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> so yeah, now feral hogs have a taste for cocaine. They have beautiful, <sighs> luscious, wooly coats. They're, they're basically becoming Hollywood. 
They are. They yeah. really are. <laughs> Just going to give them some fancy glasses. <laughs> fancy glasses yeah. and, and like designer shoes. And then suddenly they're like, you know. Yeah, they're there. They've made it. Yeah. Now I want to talk about actual sheep called the Ancon sheep or also known as the otter sheep, which is it's a sheep with dwarfism, basically. So otters, by the way, we really need to start domesticating those. <laughs> Wait, I, this is a little off topic, but I think like otters and seals, I think they're ready. I think they want to. Are they ready? Are they ready to be have us shape their bones with our godlike powers? Of- I think so unnatural selection you watch those videos of like seals like getting attacked by killer killer whales and jumping out onto the boat like hey please like i think that i think if we took one home they'd be like all right this is cool yeah this is easier cool and then they they crap everywhere and bite you yeah i mean sure that's the (laughs) that's what my cat does sounds like my dog too yeah. yeah So that's the oh, little little guy. They got little, little stub little stub legs, and they are now they're not an actual new species of sheep. They're just a it's a sheep that basically was descended all from one mutant sheep, and they have uh, dwarfism. So they have uh, shorter legs. The connective tissue isn't there's a mutation in their genes that just gives them that shorter skeletal structure. When you say one, it was like one little horny sheep. One little horny sheep. Well, it's actually, just around the it wasn't woods. necessarily especially horny. It was just one sheep. And then a farmer saw this little stubby-legged sheep and right. was like, that sheep can't climb fences. Well, we're going to breed that sheep. That is the... the uh... <laughs> That's the weirdest revelation I've had about this stuff is I looked into my cat breed, which is a American Bombay, mm-hmm. and that's just one lady in the 30s yeah. who was like, I wanted to make little panthers. And it's like, okay. It's like, <laughs> I have maniac? had seven husbands, but yeah. have I have a, had a tiny panther? Yeah. And it's like ground zero. <laughs> these, these, yeah, it is, it is weird how one human has the power to craft a new misshapen animal and then we're all like oh let me get one of those yes so yeah no it literally the farmer that first encountered the sheep was like well i don't have to build tall fences because this sheep cannot jump Ah! over fences no that was literally that's amazing the actual story and they actually these sheep were important to darwin because it helped him argue the case for inheriting independent characteristics from parents so it's not always a blend of traits so you have one really tall parent and one really short parent and then you're like medium sized but you can have just one trait that's inherited that wins out over the other like dominant recessive genes mm-hmm. uh so yeah it's a it's a it's got stubby legs but a big heart these Aww, sheep like me <laughs> so now uh this is exciting i want to talk to you about swole cows Swole cows is not their real name. That's the name I gave them. And they are, it is a species, or not a species, but a breed of cow called the Belgian Blue, which is a mutant cow with huge muscles. These aren't, because I am aware that there are Nazi cows. Have you seen those? Uh, What? There are cows that the Nazis specifically bred that are still around today. And they're Uh. very... They're very aggressive. <laughs> like <laughs> they do not like people. They are Nazi cows. I don't think these are the same okay. ones. I'm hoping not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, I will say I highly doubt that these cows hold any Nazi beliefs. I, yeah, I don't think the Nazi cat. The Nazi cows are just. Well, I don't know. They're very aggressive, but <laughs> <laughs> they have um, a lot of anger. 
No, so these are these are more just like gym rat cows. So look at this. Oh, look at these bro cows. They're bro cows. Wow. They're completely yoked, totally swole. They have not skipped leg day, any of the leg days. Like, yeah, just try to tip me, bro. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Mm-hmm. Try to tip me. Sorry. Like if you milk them, does like <laughs> like monster energy drink come out of them? <laughs> I mean, you're looking at a male, so if you try milking oh, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the, they're a breed of beef cattle that has been selected for mutations that give them massive muscles. It's called double muscling, similar to what I talked about with the broiler chicken. The calves are, so the babies, the calves are so large, farmers have to perform cesarean sections oh. on the mother cows to get these monster babies out of the mother. <laughs> Imagine having a small baby. Oh, God. Maybe. Can you imagine? Just oh, the baby comes out with huge muscles and is like, yes, hello, mother. I desire milk. <laughs> Feed me milk and protein powder, mother. Oh, man. It's a little disturbing. It's a real problem. I know they're also doing this uh, to pigs. Yeah. They're yeah, making swole pigs. Swole pigs. pigs. I don't know why we would ever give animals the... That we're like farming and eating we're, the ability to, you know, we're sowing the seeds of our own destruction. Yeah, I gotta say, we kind of deserve it. Yeah, we're gonna be like, we designed these swole gut like cows that also, like, we give them blade, like, blades yeah. sticking out of their horns yeah. and like the ability to breathe fire or something. Yeah, these cows are just, it's muscles upon muscles upon muscles. It's they look many. like body, you know how bodybuilders, much respect to their passion and their hobby, but they do, it is sometimes a little unnerving how many muscles it can, get can out of fit hand. on a human body. Yeah. It's like this, but cows. Why? Oh my God. Look at the butt. It looks uncomfortably swollen. It looks uncomfortably large. And the it, what's interesting about these is like, I think to show off how muscly they are, they shave some of the cow, but not all of the cow because they need some sort of like a poodle where they need some of the fur to stay warm. Right. But they just shave the butt. Right. And it so looks like the muscles are bursting see out the of butt. it. Right. If you've ever seen the famous flop League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, <laughs> the, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, when he takes the potion turn into Mr. Hyde, there's a henchman that takes like a bunch of the potion and he becomes uncomfortably swole. Yes, yes. And that's what I'm I'm looking at. There. Yeah, it is. It is definitely. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of steroid use that I know can give give that look. But also, I think something that happens now is like implants that, you know, give you fake oh. like enlarge or like imp- like injecting. Um, something like silicone into the muscle, which is not, I wouldn't necessarily recommend. No. But uh, yeah, it it is, it looks, it looks like they're about to explode into meat. With cows, why are we doing that? Because for for more meat. Are muscles delicious? That's what we, yeah, muscles are meat. This is how much of a vegetarian Meat is muscles. Okay. I mean, it's muscles and fat, essentially. Okay. So uh, I like the idea of asking a farmer why they're doing it and they're like, because I think it's funny. <laughs> I don't know. We were born one day and we're like, what would make the cow really like muscular? The cows. It's like, well, the cows were bored. So we got them a lifting set. We got them a bow flex. They got really into it. Yeah. <laughs> Just a cow hunched over like, like 99. <laughs> uh, they can weigh so the steer can, the male cows can weigh just under 3,000 pounds. Normal steer weigh about 2,400 pounds. So that's significant. Yeah. 
so the last animal I want to talk about is the, well, <laughs> it's huh. called the Damascus goat. It's also known as the Aleppo goat. And it is, well, so it's 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 weirdo goats who have been selected for bizarre facial features. So it's from Syria, Cyprus, and Lebanon. And let me get you a good picture. Here's one of these bad boys. Wow. What are we doing there? <laughs> what's uh what's the point of that? Well, they look like a Star Wars creature. They do look like a Star Wars. Yeah. So I don't think I think that the facial feature it's specifically bred for these facial features kind of for the sake of it, I think. They they Just do thought it was funny. They do have a really impressive milk production ability, but I think it was so I think part of it may be just a side effect of breeding them for specific traits like milk production that just caused this crazy face to come about. But I, I do think that now they're kind of maybe leaning into it. Right. It probably started with someone like, look, if you want the best milk production, that's your go. And they're just like, yeah, but what's wrong with it? And it's like nothing. In fact, we're going to make it face. more that way. Yeah. I think you know that's what, what happened. So it's it started out being like, huh, that's interesting. Let's let's lean into this look you gotta which i mean i think is correct in terms of fashion like you do have to fully embrace a bold look oh, like a sure. like a bold couture or a statement piece you really have to go fully on it on the genetic level for a goat it's uh it's something yeah, it's an interesting they could choice we make as humans are people listening they could legitimately sell those to disney to have in a star war yeah the, these are star wars yeah like you'd see it in a star wars and you'd be like oh that's a cool uh creature effect interestingly the kids so the the young goats do not look so demonic and horrible let me mm. let me uh, describe it because I think we've gone this whole time without actually describing what it looks yeah. like. They have, well, what would you say? So they have a huge forehead that its face is the shape of a square and underbite. It looks... The eyes seem bigger, but maybe not. Just well, the eyes the are almost the... displaced, I guess, because of the massive square it's forehead. Kind of like almost like a fish head. Yeah, like a fish head. Or if you... Yeah, how would you describe, like, what's... Just imagine an abomination, like, close your <laughs> eyes. Take a goat, but smush its face into the shape of a loaf of bread. Yes. That's it. Yes. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And actually, the kids, so the immature goats, are quite cute. They have really long ears and adorable little faces, mm. which is good because if they had these bread-shaped faces, they probably couldn't nurse. They couldn't drink milk from their mothers. It's only until after they hit puberty that they turn into bread face. That's a rough puberty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, we did that. Why did we do it? Just, oh, right. Just for the milk or whatever. Well, no, I think it was, it started <sighs> out because we were trying to get milk or meat and then it just yeah, turned into like, funny. wow, look what we can do. Let's do it even more. Let, let's monsters. make it even more so. <laughs> I, I think we've, I think we're just, we're learning how to be little angry demigods. Yeah. And we've got to understand this power better. No one's stopping us. No one know? is stopping us. Yeah. Though hopefully those swole cows and pigs are going to 
realize their power at some point. <laughs> They've got to. And they're going to be like, it's our turn. It's our time. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I'm going to change your faces. <laughs> I'm going to change your faces through, through selective breeding. No, with my fists. <laughs> yeah, that that's our future. <laughs> We're asking for it. We really are. Yeah. Congratulations, humans. We have created a cow that can stop us, which is actually maybe a good thing. I was about to say, considering other man-made futures we, we have on the horizon, uh, like Planet of the Cows wouldn't be the worst. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, because, well, we'd still have an Earth at least, right? Exactly. They'd probably take over and they'd be like, okay, we don't need any of this stuff. That's Cole, the thing. Why do we need this? Like, That's the thing cows. about Planet of the Apes, right? Like, sure, they blew up the Statue of Liberty. Sure, they hunt humans for sport. But the planet is luscious yeah. and still full of life. So, hey. Yeah, I do want to amend this, though. Cows would be a problem. Because the, the burps, the methane, right? That is true. We They're don't want massive the protein powder shake farts. <laughs> Those gotta be heinous. Yeah, that's, that's not good. You don't want to be near that when that goes <laughs> off. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Dave. Uh, do you wanna, do you got any animal stories? Got anything to plug? Mm, I can plug some stuff. Sure. Real quick, I have a podcast network called Gamefully Unemployed. You can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We have some exclusive podcasts on there. You can check us out on SoundCloud. Uh, all sorts of stuff. I also, um, and I believe, Katie, you also do this. I write for a YouTube show called Some More News. It's lovely. It is It's a lovely. lovely little frolic through the world of politics. The it polite world of politics. The polite world. <laughs> if you want to feel real good about politics. You want to feel good. That deep down good feeling of we're all okay. Everything's going to be This okay. is heavy, heavy irony. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, you can find us on the internet creaturefeaturepod.com creaturefeaturepod on Instagram where it's mostly pictures of my dumb dog creaturefeetpod on Twitter that's F-E-A-T F-E-E-T is something very different you can find me online at Katie Golden and of course at Pro Bird Rights where I advance the rights of birds and the eventual turkey domination of the world you'll be you'll be their king or queen mm. like they'll, you'll be I'd say you'll be the top human top Pet. I'll be their token human. <laughs> <Yeah>. Top pet. <laughs> Most favored of pet humans. Yeah. That's what I'm certain. Like, if I get tummy rubs and some kibble, I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do a quick shout out to Castaway Podcast, which is a new podcast that points out all the podcasts that you should be podcasting, wait, listening to. It's a it's a podcast about podcasts. It's actually oh, really no. great. That's great. No, it's great. The host is Laura Whitmore and... She had a guest on the lovely Sarah Pascoe. She is a famous Brit. And she said really nice things about our podcast here at Creature Feature. And I really appreciate it. And it was really nice to hear in her lovely British accent because it makes it sound so much fancier than the the podcast actually is. Thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super spooktacular song, Exolumina. Creature Features a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. 
you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 